This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com. And he's been made known to us through his son, Jesus. And this is the month of Easter. I don't know if you know that or not, but Easter is early this year. It's the last Sunday of the month of March. And so I wanted to um, have our, us as a church focus on the greatness of Jesus Christ. And I just want to lift him up through the month of March. And so we're starting a new series of messages today that I've entitled, Jesus Like No Other. He is like no one else. He is like no other. And over the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about Jesus, his nature. He's like no other in nature. And I don't mean the natural world. I'm talking about him as a person. He's like no other in his mission, his purpose. He's like no other in his sacrifice, certainly. And he's, no, he's like no other in his overcoming power and how that can work in your life on Easter Sunday. It's going to be a great month for us. And I want to thank Debbie, Debbie Stanton right now for the beautiful artwork that she's beginning to put in the auditorium. You're, gonna, you're going to... I modeled for that one, by the way, that... I put a little beard on myself, and that's actually me. Um, but um, <clears throat> you're going to see every week, you're going to see different pictures going to be added to these that are already here. So by the time we get to week number four, it is going to be spectacular up here, the artwork that she is doing. So I just want to thank her for doing that. Pull your notes out for today's message if you like. Don't forget, next Sunday is Baptism Sunday. If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you need to be baptized in water. It's not a life church thing. It's a Jesus thing. He's the one who said be baptized, and so we invite you to participate. You'll have to come to the 11 o'clock service for that, but that's next Sunday. Make sure you contact the church office if you're interested in being a part of that. And tonight, we have our annual business meeting. If you consider this your church home, you don't have to be a member. You're welcome to attend. It's down in the gym. You get a free piece of pie, some coffee. I don't know what other drinks there will be down there. All, all soft drinks, obviously, nothing hard. Uh, there, but anyway, we'll, we'll have a great time down there. And if you would like to know kind of what 2015 was like for us as a church, we invite you to be a part of that uh, meeting at 5 o'clock this afternoon. Thanks for being here today. Rough weather out there, but you made it. You know, that When the times get tough, the tough, or when, what is it? When the going gets tough, the tough keep going or get going or however that goes. So you're here. Thank you for being a part today. You know, if you were to do a poll about religious belief in the world, I think that you would probably find that nearly everyone believes in God. You know, would you say that that's a fair statement? Just about everybody believes in God. Now, what they believe about God varies throughout the world. But the fact of the matter is, people, it, by a vast majority, believe in the reality of God. But I just want to ask you a question. Is that enough? Is just believing in God enough? It seems that that's kind of an important question because it's one that the scriptures even addressed. Going clear back to New Testament times, uh, the apostle James talked about this in James chapter 2, verse 19. It says, are there still some among you who would hold that only believing is enough? Believing in one God, 
Well, remember that the demons believe this too so strongly that they tremble in terror. Wow. So what James is saying here is that believing that God exists is not enough by itself. James is saying that demons believe in God. Certainly they believe in God. And he says they tremble in terror. Why do they tremble in terror? They tremble because they know the, the coming judgment that they will face uh, from that God. But what I want you to understand, just believing in God, according to the scriptures, is not enough. It's what you believe about him that really matters. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19 tells, this, tells us this about God. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Now, when most people read this verse, and I understand it, they focus on the part that talks about God reconciling the world back to himself. The word reconciling is kind of a high-sounding word, but it just simply means that God, through Christ, was restoring mankind back to himself. Our sin had broken us away from, from God. Through Christ, God was restoring us back to him. But it's the part, the, the first part, the fact, the first four words of this verse that I've underlined that I want to focus on in this message uh, today and actually throughout this, this month. It says these words, God was in Christ. What does that mean? Well, for one thing, it means that Jesus is unique. He's different. He's like no other. Because it doesn't say here that God spoke through Jesus or that God did miracles through Jesus. Now, he did those things. That's part of history. That's part of what happened. But that is not what this verse is saying or focusing on. This verse says that God was, is in Christ. And that's incredibly more than, just, than Jesus just being a great prophet or a religious teacher. It is saying that Jesus is so unique, so one of a kind, like no other, so much that if you want to know God, there's only one place to go, Jesus. If you want to know what God is like, there's only one image, it's Jesus. God was in Christ, and that makes Jesus Christ unique. That makes him distinctive. That makes him one of a kind. That makes him like no one else, no other. You know, no other major world religion asserts that the founder of that religion was God. They say maybe that he was a prophet of God or that he brought new revelation from God. But none of them claim that these founders were God himself. But here's the Bible saying that Jesus is God in the flesh, God wearing skin. Let's look at what Colossians chapter 1 says about who Jesus is. Verses 15 through 20. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything else 
was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things that we can see and the things that we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God, in all his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled, that is, he brought us back, he brought everything back to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Those verses teach us why Jesus is like no other. And I want to share five thoughts with you this morning. First, they teach us that Jesus is like no other in image. And I'm not talking about how he looks. I'm not talking about how tall he was or his, his facial features. Verse 15 in Colossians 1 says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. So that is saying, if you want to know how God would act if he were walking on planet earth, there he is. God, Jesus is God walking on dirt. If you want to know how God would deal with disappointment, there he is. Jesus is God dealing with disappointment. If you want to know how God would handle rejection, there he is. Jesus is God handling rejection. If you want to know how God would respond to betrayal, there he is. Jesus is God responding to betrayal. If you want to know how far God's love reaches, there he is. Jesus is God's love reaching. If you want to know how God would react to any of a thousand different life issues that we confront today, there he is. Jesus is God reacting to life issues. That's what verse 15 is saying this morning. He is the image. He is the form. He is the representation of God Almighty. So much so that if you want to know what God is like, there he is in the person, in the flesh of Jesus Christ. Jesus is God like no other. Secondly, Jesus is like no other in existence. Verse 15 continues. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. You know, I have, I have studied religion a little bit. I'm not an expert on other religions, but I've studied some. And some religions teach that Jesus was the offspring of God, the Father. That, that the, the definition of Jesus as the Son of God means that he is the God the Father's offspring. Some teach that he was an emissary and a voice, a reflection of God. Some teach that he had a starting point in time. But this verse makes it very clear that Jesus is like no other in his existence. 
In fact, it says two things about Jesus as he relates to creation. Number one, it says that he existed before creation. That's exactly what verse 15 says. He existed before anything was created. John chapter 1 verse 1 puts it this way. Before anything else existed, there was Christ with God. You say, when did Jesus start? There's no starting point to Jesus. He existed before all of it. He always has been. In fact, he says that about himself in John 8, verse 58. The absolute truth is that I was in existence before Abraham was ever born. And that makes my second thought true. Number two, he is greater than creation. Because he existed before creation, he is therefore greater than creation. Again, verse number 15, he is supreme over all creation. He is not a created being. He is not the offspring of a heavenly father. He has always existed because he is God himself. So in existence, Jesus is like no other. Thirdly, Jesus is like no other as creator. Not only is he not part of creation, he is the creator of all creation. Verse 16 says, through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things that we can see and the things that we can't, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. I want you to focus on the, the two parts, the first part and the last part of that verse again. It says that through Jesus, God created everything. And the last part, everything was created through him and for him. Well, since Jesus created all things, he himself is uncreated. Does that make sense? Because he was creator, he is not created. That's the reason the created world obeys his very command. Matthew chapter 8 tells us about a time when that happened, that kind of thing happened, verses 23 through 27. Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly, a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. I once heard somebody, just as a side thought here, a pastor or a minister preach on this subject and say, the reason he says you have so little faith is because we didn't read the part, but just before these verses started, he said to his disciples, let's get into the boat and go to the other side of the lake. If he said, we're going to the other side of the lake, we're going to the other side of the lake. You're not going to sink in the middle of the lake when Jesus says you're going to the other side of the lake. Get it? So he says to them, why do you have so, so little faith? I already told you we're going to the other side of the lake. Why are you so afraid? And then he gets up and he rebukes the wind and the waves and suddenly it's like glass out there. So calm. The disciples were amazed and this just shows that this was such a learning curve for them. Who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. 
If we would have read down a little further into the chapter, we would have found Jesus getting to the other side of the lake and being confronted by two demon-possessed men come running out of a graveyard at him. And they were, they were violent men. And the Bible says that when they confronted him, Jesus looked at them and commanded that the evil spirits come out of those men and then cast those evil spirits into a herd of pigs. And immediately they, the, the pigs ran down into a lake and drowned themselves. Why did the wind and the waves obey the, the word of Jesus? Why did the evil spirits obey his command? It's because Jesus is creator and the creation must obey its creator. Jesus is unique. Jesus is like no other as creator. Number four, he is like no other in his relationship to his creation. Verse number 17 says, he holds all of creation together. That means that everything exists because of his power. It exists for his purpose. It exists by his desire. I want you to get the image of Jesus here. He is the purpose and the purpose and the, and the reason rather behind everything we see in the created universe. You know, I read the story about a, a guide who took a group of people through an atomic laboratory and he explained to these lay people how all matter was composed of rapidly moving electrical particles. Now, you probably remember that from fifth or sixth grade science class. We were taught that kind of thing. That all of matter is not, matter is not solid. It exists, it's it is composed of rapidly moving electronic particles that are way too small for us to see. And then the people were encouraged to study the models of molecules that they had put up around the laboratory. And they were amazed to learn that matter is made up primarily of space. Space. Something that feels so hard is actually made of space. Well, then one person asked, if matter is mostly disconnected space, what holds it all together? And the guide was unable to answer that question. But what Colossians 1.17 is telling us is that before anyone knew about molecules, before anyone knew about quickly moving particles. God put the answer in his word of what holds this all together. Jesus Christ holds it all together. You, he could, the guide couldn't answer it because you can't put Jesus under a microscope. It's the power and the force of God is what holds us holds it all together and it just so intrigued me that what science cannot answer the bible answered before the questions were ever even asked jesus holds it all together he's like no other in relation to creation and then number five jesus is like no other because he's god he's god verse 19 for god in all his fullness. He wasn't partly God. 
in all the fullness of God, lived in Christ. I think there are two things that verse tells us. First of all, it's saying that Jesus is God. He's not a good teacher. He was a good teacher. He's not a great prophet. He was a great prophet. He, was, he didn't bring new re, just bring new revelation. He did bring new revelation. But he's so much more than that. He is God himself. The word here, fullness, God in all his fullness, it means the sum total of all that is divine. So all the power of God, there it is in Christ. Why do we worship Jesus? Because he's God. All the fullness of the Godhead is dwelling in bodily form within Jesus. All the attributes of God, there they are in Jesus. All the character or characteristics of God, there they are in Christ. Jesus is more than a good teacher or a righteous man. He is those things, but he is God himself. And so when you come to him in faith believing, the power of God, the character of God, the attributes of God are all being released into your life. Hallelujah. Secondly, that verse tells us that Jesus is God in flesh. I was intrigued by the word live here. It says that, all the fullness was pleased to live in Christ. The word live means much more than just residing somewhere. It means to be at home permanently. So today, presently, at this stage in my life, I live in West Jordan, Utah. That's my residence. But one day, I will reside six feet under. Where I live now is only temporary. It's not permanent. But the fullness of God dwells. The fullness of God lives in Jesus. Permanent life. Permanent. Uh, he lives permanently within Christ. That's why Jesus is like no other. You know, you think about the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would rest upon certain individuals, would anoint certain places, certain individuals for a specific task to be completed. People like Moses had an anointing that came down. People like Aaron had an anointing that came down. The other priests had an anointing that came down. Uh, King David had an anointing that came down upon him for a specific time, for a specific purpose, and uniquely when when that purpose was fulfilled, when that time was up, that 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 anointing, that presence of God would lift. For a time, the dwelling of God was in the tabernacle, but then it moved off of the tabernacle and went over to the temple. Today, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit and the presence of God dwells within us. But my point simply being that there have been times when the presence of God has rested on individuals or places for specific times and for specific purposes. And when those times and purposes were up, that, that, 
that manifestation of God's glory was removed. But with Jesus, the dwelling of God is in him permanently. That's why the prophet Isaiah could call him Emmanuel because he is God with us. Jesus is like no other. He is God. So what does all of this mean to us in 2016? Simply this. If Jesus is everything we've talked about, if he is like no other as we've talked about, he can handle any issue that comes your way, anything that happens in your life. Our God is able to turn it for good in your life. You need a savior? There he is, Jesus. He is God's savior. You need a healer? There he is. Jesus is God's healer. You need provision? There he is. Jesus is God's provision. You need guidance? There he is. Jesus is God guiding his people. You need power? There is Jesus. There he is providing the power of his spirit. Verse number 20 says it. Through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. I want to ask you simply this morning, do you know him? The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. Of holiness, he's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? 
you to stand with me this morning and let's give praise to our great and glorious Savior Jesus Christ would you just break forth in praise unto your God this morning he is great and awesome in all his ways hallelujah I want to know do you know him I'm not asking you if you're religious I'm not asking you if you're a member of a church anywhere I want to ask you this morning do you know him do you know him I mean, do you really know him? I don't mean, do you know about him? I want to know, do you know him? Do you walk with him? Do you talk with him? Does he tell you that you're his own? Do you share joy with him? Do you know him? Too many people just know about him and they think that's enough. You got to know him. He's got to be the centerpiece of your life. Anything less, he won't accept. Anything less won't change you. Anything less won't heal you. He's got to be the center point of your life. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.